Coming up on Stu Does America, is Joe Biden sitting back and letting Trump hate carry him to a 2020 victory, or has he actually just wandered off somewhere and gone missing? Well, I'll tell you the truth, there's an elderly man staring at the wall in the corner across the studio. I don't know if it's him, more information to come. Finally, it appears that the amount of air traffic in the country is leveled off at a 96% decline. But hey, flatten curves, you know, am I right? And after what seems like a decade of waiting, we actually had a sporting event last night, kind of. Who cares? It was just a bunch of old rich dudes zooming from their yachts in the Caribbean. Sports was back and I loved it. Another day, another chance to tune in to Stu Does America absolutely free on YouTube, Facebook, and podcast platforms, and Pluto TV. Just do me a favor, uh, drop a quick five-star rating or positive review. You might not think so, but it does matter, and I appreciate it. And that's the most important thing right here. Or go a step further, become a subscriber to Blaze TV. We've got enough great content to last you through the first five years of quarantine. After that, you're screwed. But the first five years are covered. Just head to blazetv.com slash stew and make sure to enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And your reward for that shall be $30 off magic. The first round of the NFL draft has come to an end, so I will be taking suggestions on new sports to obsess over. I've heard the Marvel races on YouTube are pretty popular. Go blue! Stu does America. I've been researching all day for you and i don't have official confirmation on this yet but i'm pretty sure it's accurate we are in the middle of a presidential campaign apparently like president of the united states yeah i know i'm serious it's true there have been a couple of things i've noticed that have been overshadowing this during the era of coronavirus the presidential election is one of them also uh well it's been what else has been overshadowed uh physical fitness personal hygiene, general sanity, all these things. President Trump is once again running for the job that everyone seems to want, even though it sounds like a really crappy job to actually have. His opponent is a man named Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Hmm. If you've seen Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., please call authorities immediately. He is missing. We haven't seen him in quite a while for some reason, and when we have seen him, he isn't making any sense. Actually, I shouldn't be too negative on Joe, considering prediction markets such as predicted show Biden has an 85% chance to win the nomination. (laughs) You think Hillary Clinton has a 5% chance to win still? Uh, Guys, Joe Biden is the only one who's running. Everyone else has dropped out of the race already. He's already won the nomination. Why do you think there's a 15% chance that he won't be the nominee? It's like you propose to your girlfriend, she accepts, and then a couple of months before the wedding, she says, eh, you know, there's an 85% chance that you're the guy for her. What do you guys know that we don't know? Of course, it should be, uh, I guess, obvious to me. Sure, Joe Biden is 800 years old, but he seems so much older than that. And that makes people nervous. That 15% is essentially the market's way of saying, you're not really going to run this guy, are you? Seriously? But barring something really crazy happening, and the kind of stuff, you know, never happens, as we know, Joe Biden will be the Democratic nominee for president. And as amazing as it might sound, if you don't take him seriously, he can actually win this election. Yes, it's true. A lot of people want to be in denial on that one, but it's it's actually true. Of course, how can Joe Biden win an election when he's forced to be Joe Biden? It's a tough question. 
the first thing to do, and this is key, is make people forget that the candidate you're running is Joe Biden. Now, normally that would be difficult. It would involve a complicated strategy of avoiding tough interviews, uh, making limited appearances, staying around small, friendly audiences, making widespread use of surrogates, and using the media to cover up your failures. In other words, the best way to get Biden into the White House is to hide him from everyone. Back in 1880, James Garfield wasn't running for president, but a deadlock at the convention lasted over 30 ballots, and eventually people just started throwing votes to Garfield, even though he actually tried to stop them. On the 36th ballot, Garfield finally won and accepted the nomination. When he got home, he ran what was called a front porch campaign. It's kind of a nice little phrase, right? He didn't go anywhere. He didn't do the rallies and the speeches and everything. Instead, people would stop by his place and he'd talk to him on the front porch. Kind of sounds awesome. No 24-hour news coverage, just a guy on his own property giving brief statements about the things he found important. Well, here we are in the era of COVID-19 in which every month feels like an era. And Biden is now in a world that has aligned kind of perfectly for him. He suddenly has an excuse to never go outside and never talk to anyone. He can choose his interviews incredibly carefully. He can basically disappear. I mean, you know, doctors are clearly telling people as old as Biden to shut everything down and stay inside. Obviously, there are way more important aspects to this crisis than politics. We all know that. We've been talking about it forever, from human life to the economy. But take those out for a second. Completely just, we haven't talked a lot of politics in a while. Take it completely out of the picture. Let's just talk about politics. Think about politics for a second. This couldn't possibly have turned out better for Joe Biden. I'm not saying anything. I'm not trying to say like there's these, well, he's really excited about this. No, but when it comes to the way he wants to run a campaign, all these things have come together to really be uh, a, 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 an advantageous situation uh, for Joe Biden. His best chance to win is pretty clear. Don't draw attention to yourself. Make this election a referendum on Donald Trump. And then hope Trump screws up really badly. Look, love him or hate him, everybody's got a pretty strong opinion on Donald Trump. We all know about you know, 45% of the country is never going to vote for the guy. You know, uh, Of course, there's the other side that 45% will never vote for anyone else, probably even including years when Trump isn't on the ballot. They'll just write him in. So right now, Biden leads in the polls, both nationally and in a lot of the swing states. But... You know, how much does that matter? You know, at this point, not all that much. Eventually, Trump is going to make hammering Joe Biden his full time job. And when he does, Biden is going to somehow have to avoid crumbling into a giant bowl of word jello. But for now, that can't be his focus. Can't be Trump's focus to win. Donald Trump has to be singularly focused on this coronavirus and the rebooting of the economy that's associated with it. Like it or not, Donald Trump is the central public figure tied to the worst thing that's happened to this country in generations. That doesn't mean it's his fault. It doesn't mean he's done the wrong thing. It means he has to own it for better or for worse. It doesn't mean this has to turn out well. It already hasn't turned out well. 50,000 people are dead. The media will try to pin every one of those deaths on Donald Trump, which will, of course, be ridiculous. But Trump doesn't have to solve all of the problems. He doesn't have to cure the virus. He doesn't need to give us hope. He doesn't even need to project confidence. He just needs to project competence. The American people just need to believe that faced with an impossible situation, we came out of it 
as well as possible. I think we all recognize that if hydroxychloroquine becomes some magical cure and the economy roars back to an amazing new heights, Trump is going to have another four years. And if the worst predictions of the infectious disease models are right and we're at 37 percent unemployment, he's going to be lucky to have four more months. But if he can convince the American people that he's a steady hand navigating a ship through dangerous waters as best as he can, he can successfully focus people's attention onto his opponent, who will likely be drooling in the corner. Win against COVID-19 and Joe Biden is going to be easy. Wake up. Are you asleep already? Are you asleep already? It's just not time for that. Wake up. Have some Black Rifle Coffee. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned and operated premium small-batch roast-to-order coffee company for people who love America. They're not worried about offending people. They're not worried about saying, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't want people to be offended by the flag. What if, what if they see the flag in one of our commercials? They might not want to buy our coffee. That's not what they care about. What they care about is really, really good coffee, the highest quality beans from around the world, roasted to order. They care about that, and they care about America. That's a good freaking combination right there. Um, they have this great thing called Black Rifle Coffee Club. Uh, it is a, it's a, basically what you do. You go in there, you kind of go through uh, all the options, pick the blends that you crave, whatever you want. They give it to you at a special discounted price. They ship it free directly to your home or office every month. And this makes it easy for you to do what you do. And they keep doing what they do. And all that comes together in this wonderful recipe called America. Wake up to America's coffee by going to blackriflecoffee.com slash stew. Blackriflecoffee.com slash stew. Make sure you use stew. The discount code is stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And you'll receive 20% off your first order of any coffee products. It's blackriflecoffee.com. For anyone who followed the special COVID-19 version of the NFL draft last night, you know it was a unique experience, to say the least. Uh, here to discuss this and so many more important things uh-huh. is the host of Pat Gray Unleashed, Mr. Pat Gray. Is there anything more important going on than no. the NFL draft? I don't think so. Absolutely not. Not this week. It's the only thing I care about, yes. which is not, not a good position to take when it's thousands really not. of people are suffering. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we've talked quite a bit about the suffering. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's just nice, isn't it, to have a little bit of escape from that? Yeah. Uh, Let's start there because that is exactly how I felt. Mm-hmm. You know, look, the NFL, I love the NFL anyway. I, I'm not a huge college football guy, so I don't know every one of these guys in the draft particularly well. Right. But, you know, I'll get into the NFL draft because I love the NFL. This year's totally different, though. Yeah. I am like, it's all I want to talk about. It's all I want to think about. <laughs> I just want to escape. I know. Uh, that's how I felt. Plus, I wanted to see the homes of these uh, incredible millionaires. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Roger Goodell's basement did not disappoint. No. The guy makes $48 million a year, and it kind of showed. Yeah, it did. It Your showed. basement's nice if yeah. you make $48 million a year. We, earned, we learned that. Yeah. We learned that Cliff Clingsbury Holy has cow. some ridiculous multi-million dollar house in Arizona that <laughs> yes. looked like he was, like, intentionally setting up to attract women to come uh, to come to bed with him. It, that's what it looked like to me. <laughs> like he had this shot, like looking out this beautiful landscape with these, you know, floor to ceiling window door things. Mm-hmm. Mountains in the background. Oh, God, it was so a beautiful backyard or side yard or wherever that was. It was funny because uh, Honey Badger, uh, Tyrone oh, yeah, Matthew, Matthew mm-hmm. 
said, uh, well, I, I see now why they couldn't afford me and had to let me go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All your money went to uh, the coach. It's a weird. So, I don't think that's how the salary cap works exactly. I don't think uh, so either. But, but maybe. Who knows? Funny tweet, though. Yeah, very funny. Um, uh, there was that. Then you had, like, other people like uh, Bruce Arians and Andy Reid who were, like, stuffing donuts in their mouth as they're <laughs> yeah. doing the draft. It was interesting to see that double because th- there's a – there's definitely a way that these guys present themselves, right? Like, Kingsbury wants to be this, like, you know, like, sexy Bachelor character yeah. for some reason. Like, he wants to be, he's almost like a, he looks like he's going to appear on The Bachelor one of these one of these years. Yeah. And, you know, Andy Reid and Bruce Arians want to tell you they don't care, right? Like, yeah. they're just pulling up a table yes. and throwing a TV on it. And, like, you know, they're drooling chocolate sauce out of their mouth while they're making yeah. picks. They've got gravy stains on their shirts. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, they didn't care. It makes you like them, though. It, I, love, I love them both, actually. Yeah. I, I really like – we watched uh, – I watched a uh, – I don't know. What are those NFL – you know, where they cover the team for a season? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, Hard Knocks? Or yeah, I think it was Hard Knocks. versions, yeah. Arians, uh, Cardinals were on that a few okay. years ago. Seemed like a great guy. Yeah. Uh, and a really good coach. And everybody so seems to like root him. for him. Yeah. What did you think about? Did you make anything of the um, uh, C.D. Lamb? He was uh, um, drafted by the Cowboys. As an attractive girlfriend. As an attractive I didn't girlfriend. Didn't make that out of it. Was not wearing an awful lot of clothing. <laughs> she wasn't. Um, a little cocktail dress. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, hey, mm-hmm. so you're, you're on national television. Go for it, I guess. Yeah. At one point, though, she tries to take his phone. He has two phones. She tries to borrow his phone to do something, and he like snatches it back out of her hand, <laughs> and while he's on the other phone too, he just right. he doesn't want her talk. Now, to me, that struck me as like that's there's something going on on the phone that he does not want the girlfriend to see. That was my thought too. Yeah, that was my thought exactly. Because <laughs> he got in trouble from like people were like, "How dare you treat your girlfriend that way? You you're snatching the phone out of her hand. That's disrespectful." Right. I mean, it's, they, we're in the Me Too era. We're in the uh, War on Women era. Mm-hmm. You can't do those things, right? You can, no, I guess you can't just grab your phone back out of your girlfriend's hand anymore. So, uh, Is she paying for the service? If she's paying for the service, <laughs> then she can take These the phone. These are the things we need to know. We yeah. need to know the background of I all know. of this stuff. We need the New York Times to jump in on this one. The, uh, the other, one of the other interesting elements was the fact that uh, Jerry Jones wasn't in his home. He was in his yacht. Yeah. His $150 million yacht that was nicer than anybody's home. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was, there's another guy who just wanted to show off, I think, a little bit. Yeah, what are you doing it on your boat for? There's no reason to do it on your boat. No reason at all to do that. Now, I happened to pass his boat um, in uh, Miami last year. He had just got it, I think, over the past, like, year. And so he was, he brought it, of course, to the Super Bowl City to show it off. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is, it looks like a spaceship. It looks yeah. like a, a giant spaceship that could double as a city. It's the biggest boat I've ever seen in my life. It's not a boat, like right? It's right. It's well beyond a yacht. It's a, it's definitely a super yacht. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, it's I, a floating luxury hotel. Yeah, kind of. basically. We talked about this a little bit with uh, Nancy Pelosi, who got caught with you know. I mean, this ridiculous appearance she made, and they made an, an unbelievable commercial out of it. I mean, I, that was so good. It was so good and so devastating. And at some level, it's a little bit of a cheap point, right? You're just putting her laughing against these really sad stories, but it was so <laughs> effective. And I can't stand Nancy Pelosi, so I just accepted it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we, she was buying you know, $16 a pint ice cream, and it was, mm-hmm. you know, we went and, and, and it's delicious, by the way, Jenny's. I don't know if you've had Jenny's, it's really freaking good ice cream. Um, but you know, sixteen dollars a pint, and you know she's trying to she's taking you know protecting um, or deflecting money away from small businesses. She's not letting people get the money they're supposed to be getting. She's not showing up for work, 
And, you know, she's showing off and laughing with $16 ice cream. So I, it fits. Uh, but everyone was calling her an elitist. And, like, I, I don't even mind elitism. I, I kind of, like, want to aspire to be elite someday. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, it'll happen. I, I, it's not working out so far all that well. But maybe someday I'll get there. You can't do that when you're on the left, though. When you're talking about income inequality every 10 seconds, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't care. Jerry Jones, you know, I can't stand his football team. But he has tons and tons of money. He wants to have his nice boat. Great. Right. Uh, when, it, when you're Nancy Pelosi, you can't do this. Yeah, right. Um, and especially when you're when you're voting to withhold benefits from people who desperately need them right yeah. now. And, you know, you've got your twenty four thousand dollar refrigerator and your color coded sixteen dollars a pint ice cream. I mean, I could not believe her. The organization in her freezer yeah, was, was nice. Like, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, we, ca- we counted 12 different pints. Now, wow. we couldn't see all the shelves, and we couldn't see both freezers, obviously. And there yeah. were other brands, but there's 12, at least, of Jenny's specifically. And wow. the top three in the top row, you'll see it. There's like a gr- it's like a light green yeah. uh, pint. That's a Frosé Rosé, which is legitimately frozen wine-flavored ice cream. Like, could there be anything more elitist than frozen wine? It's actually not even, it was a sorbet, not even ice cream, a sorbet. (laughs) Frosé, rosé, sorbet. Ugh. That's unreal. (laughs) And when you're talking $16, that's for a a little pint. A little pint. That's not a gallon of ice cream, which should cost about five or six bucks if it's Bluebell, maybe seven. Mm -hmm. But a pint of ice cream at $16? That's why you only buy it when you can expense it for your TV show, which I did. <laughs> that's, that's how you do it. It's perfect. Uh, <laughs> um, I think part of the reason why everyone's diving into something like the NFL draft is like this is something that's totally taken us out of our element as a society, right? Like I was talking about this earlier this week. The American people, when something really terrible happens, a crisis pops up, our instinct is to fight. Right. Mm -hmm. Terrorism happens. Screw that. We're going to Afghanistan. We're going to beat the crap out of them. You know, uh, World War Two. We're we're going to work. We're in our factories. You know, moms are going to the factories. Dads are going to war. Like that's how we want to attack a problem. And this is the exact opposite. Right. Like they're asking us, hey, just stay home. Don't do anything. Don't even go to work. Don't even do the normal things that you do. Do nothing. Mm -hmm. And that is so against the what we are, you know, used to doing. And then you add on top of that the way we escape a crisis when we're not fighting, is sports, maybe movies, like, yeah. and all, maybe all even a little uh, retail therapy. Mm-hmm. All these things are gone. Yeah. I, this is a tough one to handle for Americans. And then if you add the little element of, by the way, a lot of this stuff is unconstitutional. Yeah. <laughs> a lot yeah. of this stuff shouldn't be being done. Yeah. You can re- recommend it. You can ask people, but you can't force and mandate people to stay inside their homes. Yeah. Constitutionally. Tell them not to go to church. Yeah, that's a great one. Because that's another, I mean, certainly a better example than retail therapy of, of ways yeah. people handle these things. And we're just saying, hey, all the things that you normally do to handle these problems, don't do them. Just right. don't do them. Exact opposite. It's so weird for us, I think. And then when they want us to do it for an extended period of time, an indefinite amount of time, yeah. maybe a year and a half, as some people were talking about, like um, uh, the uh, Ezekiel Emanuel yeah. of the Complete Lives guy who was pretty prominent during Obamacare. He's telling us this has to be 18 months. Um, no. No. <laughs> no. It can't be. Right? You can't uh, do it another 18 days. I can't uh, go 18 months with it's this. It's tough. And it is starting to... 
uh, end. Today, we have uh, Georgia is opening up a bunch of stuff. Trump was critical mm-hmm. of some of the things they're opening. Um, we live in uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. There's a town called Colleyville that's relatively close to where we live. Mm-hmm. And they are one of the first sta- uh, cities in Texas that are opening up uh, patios outside for restaurants. Uh, oh, what's the um, so you can sit down, you can sit down restaurant. at the restaurant, eat at the restaurant only on patios. Um, they're opening up salons and they're opening up, I think, uh, I don't know if they have any massage parlors, but I guess if they did, they would. Lots of tattoo places in, in Colleyville. <laughs> um, but uh, so like two two questions here. What is the right thing to do right now? Like how much of this do you open? And are you going to be partaking in this? Are you going to the restaurant the second it opens? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I thought originally, yeah, I'll, I'll go. Uh, I'm, I'm not positive on that now, even though the more the information comes out, the better it looks really for for getting out and and maybe even being infected. Because if 55 times as many people as we thought have the infection, uh, that mortality rate is really, really low. Yeah, you're talking about really the, that's the Santa Clara and the LA yeah, the study. Stanford yeah. study, the yep. USC study, and then New York did a study on yep. antibodies and found that about 2.7 million people have probably had the mm-hmm. virus. Um, under those circumstances, you know, it's about like the flu as far as mortality rate. Yeah, but it's I mean, it's definitely more contagious, though, at that yes, level. Absolutely. So it's going to be a big problem, probably. But then but, I think about the herd mentality like yeah. Sweden has has done. They, yeah. they didn't insist on everything being closed, but they protected the old people, you know, people who over 65 mm-hmm. and people with um, underlying conditions. And then they kind of let everybody else mingle a little bit. Hey, the Sweden thing really is a fascinating one because I, I, I see you know, both sides of it are really interesting. And you brought this up when it comes up to um, uh, talking about making recommendations and saying, hey, people, let's be responsible. Um, and I think that's the right approach. Rick. I, I think we all agree that, hey, arresting people for having toss for tossing the ball around with their daughters in a park is completely ridiculous. And I think that's where yeah. most of the um, reaction from conservatives is it's like this is insanity. What do you mean? I'm, I'm driving to church and sitting in my car and you're going to give me a ticket. Mm-hmm. Like That part of it is so offensive. Um, with Sweden, it's interesting in that, like, they didn't do all the restrictions they did. Like, they didn't close their movie theaters. How, uh, uh, however, their c- cinema box office is down 98%. So, so people just on their own. People just are not doing it. Right. And it's tough because, like, wow. uh, part of it is, you know, this has happened here, too. Before the government did any restrictions, people were deciding not to go out. They were like, this doesn't look good. I don't like the way this is moving. Mm-hmm. And so you don't need the restrictions, number one. However, lifting them, I don't know that it makes that much of a difference with the economy because people right. still I, aren't going yeah. out anyway. It's going to take a while. This thing sucks, Pat. That's the point. It does. No matter how you look at it. Will people be crowding into giant football stadiums in the fall if there is football? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Mm. They certainly won't be filling football stadiums i think too many people will be leery of it i do think they'll probably do It'll take a while if it, if it does start they're gonna they're gonna start start it with less people in the stadiums though yeah. i do feel like there's pretty solid evidence emerging and again you never know when this stuff changes i feel like with with this is i've been on every side of these things because it changes yeah. all the time mm-hmm. but uh it i think this it's getting to the point where it seems like contracting this virus outside in an environment where you're not screaming at each other's faces like it's pretty hard. Like it's much more likely to happen mm-hmm. in a small, densely packed area, like a crowded bar, crowded nightclub, something like that. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, leave you with this one question here. Uh, ask this poll on uh, Twitter at uh, Stu Does America. You can also go to at Pad Unleashed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, check that out as well, of course. 
Um, but I did ask this poll there. If uh, it does the Super Bowl get held on February 7th, 2021, as planned, with a normal crowd in the stadium, February mm. 7th, it's a long way away. It's almost a year. Does it get held on time? With a normal crowd? I don't think so. Jeez, that's amazing. I don't think so. It was about 50-50 in the Twitter poll. Really? And I, 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 that's incredible. Like, we're, yeah. we're settling in for something here. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's going to be... For sure, because if you're not filling the Super Bowl, you're not filling anything. Anything. Yeah. Jeez. All right, Pat, Pat Gray Unleashed. Follow him on Twitter. Also, of course, check out the show, Pat Gray Unleashed, here on Blaze TV. And be sure to consider a subscription to Blaze TV to get Pat's show, mine, and a bunch of others. Something with Glenn Beck. I think he's on here somewhere, too. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. And use the promo code Stu because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And it'll save you 30 bucks. Pat, thanks for stopping by. If you own a car or a house, uh, you know shopping for insurance is mind-numbing and it's a soul-sucking process that can take forever. But you need to have insurance. Everybody needs it, so stop overpaying for it. If you can get a lower rate for the exact same coverage you already have with help from Gabby. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples-to-apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, Travelers. I know all states on there because that's what I had, and I put it in there. And you put up your, the exact same policy, and they let you know if you can get a better price somewhere else. Just link your current insurance account. In about two minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. Why not save money for it? Uh, Gabby customers save $825 per year on average. If they can't find you savings, they will let you know so you can relax knowing that you have the best rate out there. Gabby is free to use and they will never sell your info. So no annoying spam or robocalls. Just take a couple of minutes right now to see how much you can save on car home and homeowners insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash stew. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash stew. Uh, Gabby.com slash stew. Go there now. In this country. The people lead the government, not the other way around. And I bring this up all the time because I think it's fascinating. We have this debate back and forth, back and forth, back and forth about whether the government should open things up or not. Well, let me give you an example. The government has not closed down airlines. They still keep flying. Um, and that's uh, you know kind of interesting and an amazing uh, thing. But here we are. This is the, uh, the usage of airlines across America. It's a little different. If you see the blue line, that's normal. And the red line is what is going on now. Travel is down 96%. They haven't banned it. It's just down 96% because people are like, you know what I don't want to do right now? Fly. I don't get in a little tube with a bunch of virus germs and then and, and go across the country. I think, I mean, the airplane food is great. I'm going to skip it this time. The American people lead the government. And when we're ready to go out there, we're going to do it, whether they let us or not, honestly. I mean, that's, that's the way it's going to end. Uh, we'll get into more on that next week, uh, a couple other details on that. Um, one thing we do we need to remember as we talk about these things is uh, it, it, sometimes Trump is going to do things that might not make sense to you, especially if you're somebody who says, I want to open up the economy. Um, because honestly, like the, the American people are not there yet. I mean, poll after poll after poll says this. I know you might have questions about poll, but listen to these anyway. This one is a CBS YouGov poll. 23% of people support the protesters. 62% oppose them. And even among Republicans, only 43 percent support the protesters going out and saying, hey, I want to open things up. On the other side, um, only 7 percent of Americans think Trump should be encouraging the protesters. That's actually only 13 percent of Republicans think he should be doing that. 
So he's probably you seen him being a little bit more careful in the past few days. And that's a big reason uh, why. I also want to bring this up when it comes to the protest. This got spread all over social media. This flyer set us uh, taking a picture of uh, in a city. Uh, I think it was New York and the lockdown rally liberates Staten Island. Yeah, it was New York. No mask needed. Bring your children, non-essential workers. If you're sick, still come. It's your right. Sunday, April 19th. Uh, keep America great. And then uh, hashtag MAGA hashtag and the shutdown NYC. Somehow that actually fooled people. Obviously, it's not a real poster. Obviously, it's from someone on the left or someone opposing Trump trying to make protesters look bad. I mean, look, if you're a protester, you're not phrasing things like if you're sick, still come. Nobody's saying that. Bring your kids. No mask needed. It's not uh, it's not at all credible. And then the hashtag and the shutdown NYC. No one was tweeting under that update. The rally date came. The rally date went. Guess how many people showed up? Uh, None. Nobody showed up because it wasn't a real rally. The police did show up to make sure uh, if anyone uh, got there, they were following the rules, I suppose. But they didn't have to because people were smart. They, they weren't listening to that nonsense. Back in a second. So what do you do when uh, this whole world has hit you like it has lately, uh, especially if you have a kid or you happen to be taking the SAT or ACT exam? They've been canceled. How about the CLT exam, the classic learning test? They've been preparing for a solution uh, for this for years, and not because of uh, viruses or pandemics. They were talking about people in real rural communities that might not have access to these tests. Well, rather than canceling any tests due to COVID-19, CLT has tripled the testing dates available for this spring, and they are making the CLT available to students remotely from home. Many parents in America still don't, don't know about the CLT. It's a great option other than the SAT and the ACT, uh, and it is uh, something that hundreds of thousands of students have used. Hundreds of colleges are using it as well. The classic learning test. Uh, make sure you go check it out. Give me the dates here. It's April 25th, I think. Uh, yeah, April 25th is the official college entrance exam or April 29th for the CLT 10. That's like the PSAT. Go to cltexam.com, cltexam.com. Our next guest is senior columnist at Mediate, as well as the host of the Individual One podcast. John Ziegler is with us on the program. John, thanks so much for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Always good to see you, Stu. Uh, you have a couple of great columns of the past couple of weeks I wanted to go over with you. Um, one of which is one I have not heard from anywhere else, which is talking about how the coronavirus story in general terms is one that the media is basically incapable of handling uh, as a in a fair way. Um, you have a bunch of points, but kind of give me the overview first, because I want to dive into a couple of these specifically. Well, Stu, as a longtime critic and observer of the media, uh, I have, as I'm sure you have noticed, that the bigger the story, the stronger the narrative and the more invested the means to get into a particular narrative. And there are several aspects to the virus story which are uniquely suited for the news media being uh, invested in a narrative that might not be 100% true and where they're not allowing the other side of the story because they don't think that there is another side of the story. There are several elements that I think are rather obvious, one of which is New York City is the epicenter of the story. And when New York City is the epicenter of any story, the news media is always, always going to be far more focused on it, more invested in it, 
and far more afraid, especially when the story involves the death of innocent people, to provide anything other than the one narrative, which is we must do everything possible to prevent and minimize all deaths, doesn't matter what the cost of that might be. So uh, New York City plays a huge role in this. I mean, if you look at the rest of the country outside of the New York City area, this is a much, much different story. There are other hot spots, but if you if you were to somehow negate or take away the the extreme numbers in New York City and the surrounding area, this would be a much different story. So that's a big part of this. Plus, you have the element of this being an election year. And let's face it, Donald Trump and the perspective of Donald Trump uh, is the prism through which everybody sees everything about this story. Mm -hmm. And when Donald Trump is perceived to be on one side of it, the news media instinctively decides that they can't be on that side, especially in an election year, because they might somehow be helping him. So th that's also a problematic element of this. But the main thing is, let's face it, this story is about death. And no one wants to be on the side of death, especially in the media, where in the media, your number one goal every day is don't let me get fired. Don't let me get run over by the rest of the media herd. So nobody is going to separate themselves from that media herd because they might get run over and be fired. And the easiest way to do that is to suggest, hold on a second, maybe, just maybe, there is another side of the story. And I get very nervous, Stu, as I know you know from my history, <laughs> whenever the other side is not even allowed to be told, because that tells me that something weird is going on and the truth is probably getting lost. Yeah, yeah. let's let's start with that with that one, because I think that one's really, uh, really interesting. We, you know, I was watching the NFL draft last night, which I love just because it's freaking something to do with sports, and I'll watch anything to do with sports at this point. Um, and one of the things you notice with uh, when, when GMs and coaches are making decisions at this particular time is sometimes they make decisions that make you question what their long-term goal is. And so often the goal is to keep themselves employed, not to have their team win multiple championships over long periods of time. And I think that that's reflected in what you're talking about here. There, I know there was one uh, one person on, on Fox who lost their job because they had said something. I don't remember, you know, maybe downplayed the uh, the uh, the connection to coronavirus and the seriousness of it. And I think there is that legitimate fear that runs through these people making at some level honest human decisions like natural human decisions of trying to be trying to protect themselves and what they're doing for a living. But when you're a journalist, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Well, I think the number one problem in journalism today is that it's all about celebrity. It's all about uh, money. It's all about keeping your job, keeping your prestige. Uh, I mean, I'm able to take uh, often contrarian and I believe accurate positions on controversial topics because I don't have any of those pressures. I'm not a celebrity. <laughs> I have a lot less to lose than a lot of other people do. But the, the hardcore reality is that I, I cannot emphasize this enough. The, the number one motivation of all media people is don't do anything that could get you fired or make you unpopular within your media club. It's very much a club, especially in New York and in D.C. No one wants to get ostracized from the club. Uh, you know, maybe one of the best examples of this is Bill Maher. Are a guy who I don't really like, but sometimes I accidentally agree with because he's a libertarian uh, like I am. You know, he got fired back uh, when we were in a similar situation after 9-11, when he made a, a comment that really, in retrospect, wasn't that big of a deal about the terrorists and a joke that was ironically called politically incorrect. <laughs> he got fired. His career was destroyed. 
Well, here he had the same inclination in this story to say, wait a minute, hold on. Are we overreacting? That was his first show when the virus broke and he got lambasted. And even he is totally backed off and is now taking much more of the conventional wisdom here. These are very much human beings making these decisions. And human beings, uh, especially media people who are very narcissistic and have their entire identities wrapped up in their jobs, are are not going to make courageous decisions. The truth is not that important to them. Their jobs are way, way more important. Hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And uh, I think the same types of things are playing into your observation about New York, where, you know, look, this is the media center. It's where a lot of these people live. They're seeing the real effects of this in the worst area of outbreak. And I think a lot of this also fuels the connection and promotion of Andrew Cuomo as this brilliant, brilliant guy who's handling this oh so well. And every one of his comments is received so incredibly well. He's the guy that's got to replace Biden on and on and on and on. And I'm sitting here from a distance looking at this and saying, here's a guy who started this uh, whole crisis bragging about how he's going to have prison inmates make hand sanitizer. Uh, he's, He's consistently made errors in public over and over and over again. And I swear it's just like they have this hometown connection to New York and it's an important part of our country, but they are prioritizing it over every other area and it's hurting their ability to cover the story accurately. Oh, the 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 dichotomy, the hypocrisy between the coverage of Andrew Cuomo in New York, where obviously they have had by far the most damage. Now, I don't know how much blame he should get for that. But let's face it, results matter. And the results in New York have been catastrophic. They've been much, much worse than everywhere else. But Andrew Cuomo is a hero. Meanwhile, the news media is openly, openly rooting for deaths in Florida because they want to make the Republican governor there look bad for not cracking down as hard or as fast as they wanted him to. And they are desperate. I mean, they, they, some of the things I've seen uh, them come up with are almost hilarious in how they're trying to explain why Florida has not had a catastrophic situation like New York has. But that goes to the incredible bias and lack of credibility now. I mean, you know, I, I am no Trump fan, as you know, but Donald Trump, when he when he, he uses the fake news uh, uh, allegation, has a very receptive audience because the news media has completely lost their credibility when they make Andrew Cuomo a hero. Uh, and you just look at the numbers and you're going, wait a minute, how can this possibly be? Why is there not the same accountability or the same uh, use of logic uh, that is used in, in, in evaluating other governors or other politicians who are involved in this story? It's rank hypocrisy. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, it's, I've noticed this, too. You make a great point with with Florida where they're going against the Republican. But even from a, just a regional perspective, I think like the the difference between the way Gavin Newsom has been treated and I'm no Gavin Newsom fan by any means, but the situation in California has been considerably better than what has happened in New York. I'm not praising Gavin Newsom by any stretch of the imagination, but like it's interesting how they've elevated Cuomo above Newsom. You write a um, a column as well for Mediate that uh, that talks about Gavin Newsom and the way he's approaching this. And I think it, it makes a really good point on how the sort of things that we depend on. The you know, we talked about football, and you mentioned football in, in the story. These these like comforts of being an American, as the government tries to kind of peel these away, it's going to affect what we are going to uh, see in November when election time comes. 
Well, I live in California, and uh, trust me, I am no fan of Gavin Newsom at all. I, I think he's getting, uh, at least here in the state, an enormous amount of credit for something he doesn't deserve credit for. I actually think, in terms of the timeline, we shut down late here in California. We're now learning that we had this back January. Some people think we even had it earlier than that. And so the, the entire narrative has been set that, well, California's numbers are better because we shut down early and hard. Well, no, 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 no. We now know that that's not accurate. I happen to believe that California was never going to be New York because we're not New York City. <laughs> we're, we've got a lot of differences, geographical, uh, public transportation-wise, weather-wise. There's all sorts of differences that I think explain why California is doing better. But, but the column I wrote is about how I believe that there's a very strong likelihood that Gavin Newsom is going to be the person who decides whether or not there's football this year, National Football League football and college football. Now, that might sound trivial to some people right now, but I think that is theoretically imperative on a number of fronts, including just the basic idea that for us to ever get back to normal, Stu, something dramatic is going to have to happen. Somebody with power and the incentive and the guts to do it is going to have to say, you know what? We're going for this. Otherwise, we're going to continue to be afraid in the fetal position in our shells. I'm not sure Donald Trump has the moral or legal authority countrywide to be able to make that happen. The NFL might be one of the few organizations that does have the power to say, all right, it's time to get back to normal. And Gavin Newsom has the effective ability to veto that because there are three NFL teams in California. And how you play an NFL season without those three teams being able to have a home is beyond me. I guess in theory, you could come up with some way to do that. But Gavin Newsom, I think, may end up vetoing the football season and under that scenario. Guess who benefits politically? I believe Donald Trump benefits enormously, because as you well know, Stu, uh, the key states of Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, they like their football. <laughs> and I don't think that that's a narrative the Democrats are going to like in November. <laughs> John Ziegler, senior columnist at Mediate, uh, host of the Individual One podcast. Before you go, John, one question. I've been asking a, a bunch of people this. February 7th, 2021, the Super Bowl. Does it happen on that day in the location that it's planned in Tampa? And does it have a normal sized crowd in it? Well, that's a great question. I find it almost bizarre to watch the NFL draft and to see, you know, how different it is than it is normal. And, and yet there's this presumption that somehow in four and a half months, we're going to be able to go back to normal enough to play an NFL season. That seems almost incomprehensible to me. And I'm someone who believes that the numbers will start to diminish fairly significantly in mid to late May. If I had to guess, I would say no. And, uh, and I, I hope that that's wrong. Um, uh, but I, I, it is hard for me to see how we can get anywhere near back to normal enough to where a full-fledged Super Bowl is played in February of 2021. Not that we, not that we couldn't do it. Let me be clear. Mm -hmm. I think we could easily do it. But I think the psychological hurdles that we have created, the, the political hurdles we have created, the standards that we have created now for what it means to be in crisis are such that it, it's hard for me to see how that happens. Not impossible. I would give it a 40% uh, chance of happening as uh, we would hope it to be. All right, John Ziegler, got to leave it there. For Mediaite, thanks so much for coming on the program. Back in a second. One warning, you're not getting enough from the media as we open this economy up, and you got to think about the negatives here, too. Soon, people are going to start inviting you places again. 
You're going to want you to come to their house for parties and all this crap. You're going to want to avoid that. Okay? That's why you need this t-shirt. Sorry, can't make it. Self-quarantined. That's what... Uh, it's going to be very useful very soon. Get the t-shirt now. You can start wearing it when people get annoying. StuDoesMerch.com. It's StuDoesMerch.com.